Patriots, I wanted to put a little short message in this podcast to ask for the help from all of my Patriot friends out here. Um, Today is my birthday. Today I turned 46 years old. And uh, I have one request from my listeners. One request, Patriots. The cause that I want to champion here tonight is the Wounded Warrior Project. And I challenge all of my listeners and viewers to click the link in the description of this podcast and give whatever you can to help the people who felt like they needed to go out and defend our freedoms. And as a result, they suffered for it. And we should be there to back them up, however and whatever is needed. So that's what I'm asking you to do, folks. Click the link in the description and give till it hurts, because that's what they did. Thanks, what guys. he said on this interview. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. Telling me I got to beware. I think it's time to stop, children. What's that sound? Everybody, look what's going down. There's bad lines being drawn. Nobody's right if everybody's wrong. What's going on, Patriots? Back with another edition of the Patriots Prayer Podcast. We're going to talk a bit about today um, something that actually hits very, very, very close to home. And I've been affected by, you have been affected by time and time again. That's the implicit bias and censorship by big tech companies. We know uh, for an absolute fact that our government has engaged in bias censorship uh, through the FBI and other government agencies, um, and we have proof of that by what happened at Twitter. And the, uh, and the evidence that was made uh, public. So you have the ability to go and actually see, not the interpretation of what people say took place, but what actually took place. You had ex-FBI agents uh, in Twitter, James Baker among those, um, all seemingly they're um, doing their own thing. It seemed like they were on their own mission to silence uh, not just what they would call misinformation or disinformation, but it looked as if they were actually targeting a specific brand of ideology or uh, a political uh, speech, and and they they were absolutely doing this. I mean, the evidence is very very clear. If anyone has ever done beyond just Twitter, right? If, if, if go to Google and do a search, uh, and I'll give you I'll give you one uh, if you want to test the theory. If you just go on Google and search the lies told by the media about Donald Trump, you will not find that you will immediately start seeing at the top of the list going down 
like CBS, MSNBC, which is going to be all of the first places they look in order to give you the results of your search. So you're going to see all the liberal media outlets always at the top, right at the top. And your question won't even be addressed in the search. So if you look for lies told about Donald Trump, what you'll find is lies Donald Trump told. If you're looking for, like, when I prepare for these podcasts, and uh, I'm looking at specific subject matter, and I go try to find that, I have to be very careful on how I actually look to get that subject matter because it's not easy to find the video clips uh, and things necessary because YouTube uh, doesn't display them when you look for them. You can find them by happenstance. If you find a video clip you like and then you see related videos, you go in there, you'll find a lot of clips. But if you go to YouTube and just do a direct search, for some of those clips, you won't find them. There was an engagement between Matt Gates, uh, Lori Boebert, and Yul uh, uh, Raw, and uh, I couldn't find it anywhere on YouTube. Uh, I know it's on YouTube, but if you actually do a search for it, you won't find it. And it's getting harder anymore today um, to actually find a search engine that doesn't use the same tactics because it's not Google it's not DuckDuckGo it's not Firefox it's not any of the major search engines you I guarantee you it's not I actually have uh, a very <laughs> involved uh, way of having to go about looking for certain material or content if I want to find it easily and quickly and it basically removes the algorithm and allows me to search for what I want to see and um, and by no means does that mean that I suspend, uh, you know, certain the, the search for certain websites or certain, specifically, I'm not trying to identify the source in my search, just the subject matter, which Google absolutely uh, does not allow you to do anymore. Google used to be great. I mean, YouTube used to be much better before they were purchased by Google, in my opinion. Um, and it's not due to the way the website functions or the way it looks. Uh, any of those types of things, the presentation, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the look, um, the aesthetics of the site overall, um, I think everyone can agree to the fact that it, it is amazing when you, when you look at just those things. But when you look at it from the perspective of a Christian and or a conservative point of view, and you go on there and you're looking for things that interest you, things that um, you know educate you based on your ideology of what you subscribe to or think is right or wrong, and you won't find it there. You're very limited in your ability uh, to go online and find data just a positive data that would help you uh, and your own fact-finding mission when researching uh, conservative issues or Christian issues. It's, it's extremely hard. But they are now going about this uh, whole trying to censor the Internet thing. And they are doing it uh, right out in the open, right? You, you would figure a presidential candidate, a president... Uh, anyone in office that would do something that absolutely on its face 
violates the First Amendment. I don't care how you define it. You're violating the First Amendment. If you say you're limiting speech on the Internet because you don't like the ideas to which they espouse, um, that is a direct violation of the First Amendment. So what do they do? Some time ago, they put in, back in the 90s, they put in Section 230. This would allow people to post on public forums and for the website itself of whatever public forum, it would be, remember, social media didn't exist back then, would not be held to account for things that their users post. Makes complete sense to me. But there is another addendum in Section 230 that allows for the social media companies to, uh, it allows their bias, right? They may not call it bias. They may call it uh, modera uh, moderating, uh, you know, to make sure that there's less mis- or disinformation uh, around for people to uh, see or utilize or harm folks. Um, first of all, I don't think an idea can harm people. You're either smart enough to research whatever idea or you're not. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't stop you from talking to someone at the bus stop or the water cooler and them saying the same exact thing to you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what do you do with the information then? Uh, but they're getting there. They, they started social media. It, it probably isn't far off in the future before the misinformation police can fine you at work for starting a rumor. <laughs> it's not, it, it, you, I, I say this jokingly, but guys, we are on the path to 1984 and an absolute Orwellian nightmare. We're looking at it right down the barrel. We're looking right at it. Now, the injunction that the Biden administration is fighting, well, let's start back at the beginning. The First Amendment to the United States Constitution guarantees the freedom of speech. This means that the government cannot censor or restrict speech except in certain limited circumstances. Yelling fire in a crowded room and there's no fire. Um, you know, obvious common sense applications, right? But the injunction issued by the U.S. District Court, Tom Doty, the guy who's trying to uh, undo this, the, the, well, here, let's, let's do it like this. The injunction issued by U.S. District Judge Terry Doty uh, could be seen as a con contradicting the First Amendment because it prevents the Biden administration from contacting social media companies about postings that contain protected free speech. This could be interpreted as the government censoring free speech uh, that it does not agree with. And that's exactly what they did. So there is an argument to be made for the White House's ability to be able to converse with big tech companies in the interest of the nation. But when you've blown that trust because we have the behind-the-scenes view of how you actually used that kind of, uh, that kind of forum with... OGAs or other government agencies meeting with Twitter upwards of 50 times in a week. Uh, FBI agents in-house starting their own back page uh, so that they can communicate within Twitter amongst themselves uh, about what they are or not going to censor. We have uh, people like Dan Bongino who was put on a search censor, Lori Boebert, the same thing. Uh, Libs of TikTok, we're going to show you. Uh, Libs of TikTok was basically censored, taken down, not a bill, and with no able, uh, no ability to post. 
but hadn't violated any rule uh, posted on the forum. So this is what's happening again and again. I've had it happen to me. I posted podcasts to YouTube, and they say I violated their community standards. Uh, however, when asked uh, in my appeal to Facebook, I mean, excuse me, not Facebook, uh, YouTube, um, I get no- nothing in reply. Just uh, we went over it again and we stick to our decision, but they won't point out the specifics of what they call mis or disinformation. This gives them the ability to censor people based on what their political uh, ideology is, and that's exactly what they've done, and the evidence absolutely proves that. So when we're trying to get rid of Section 230, or at least amend it, change it, I think all political parties involved have all stated that this law needs to be changed. It needs to be changed. Because now what was meant to make sure that uh, these sites can exist without constant legal battles from people saying, I don't like what was posted. I'm going to sue Facebook, Twitter, you know, you name it. Uh, you know, so for that reason, when, it, when, they, when they initially created it, it was a good thing. Because it allowed... Um, for these companies to grow and hire. And by far, what they've created is something that you can disagree with, like whatever the case may be. But the, uh, you know, the ability to uh, give information, read information, take in information, post information on a public forum of any kind is definitely something uh, that I think we've all benefited from. The problem is when the government gets involved and they start trying to only allow information to be posted on these social media sites that make them look good and they censor anything at all that makes them look to be in a bad light. Uh, This has happened with the Biden administration again and again and again. And I think the biggest violation of one of the reasons we know Section 230 has to be uh, amended and changed is they censored the President of the United States of America for nothing. So that once they shut him up there, it made it look better for them um, because they had seemingly censored Donald Trump because of some things that he said wrong or did wrong, but they couldn't point to anything. That is the most flagrant violation of the First Amendment that has ever existed at any time or any point in our history and the call to censor Donald Trump's account came from the same person who said she was finally proud of her country for the first time ever in her life and that's Michelle Obama Michelle Obama who seemed to think that people were getting too uh, outraged over just a simple flag what's wrong on a whole different note but yeah she made that remark too um and we go back to Obama not wearing the flag pin, not putting his hand over his heart. Uh, and also, remember, he was on the other end of most all of the uh, foreign policy changes needed for Biden to make the money that he made from foreign countries. So uh, as we talk about all these Biden issues, let's not forget, they don't start and end with Biden. They start and end with Obama. So uh, that may be the biggest reason why they don't want us investigating about these things any further than we have, and they kind of want to kill it where it stands. Because they don't want to go after their golden goose. And that's eventually what's going to happen regardless. 
they're probably just trying to put enough time between uh, the actual incident and the time that we get to actually investigate it the way we want to and hoping that the American people forget uh, and some of the emotion dies down by that time. But let me tell you, that typically works. That typically works. The American people have a very short memory. They seem to forget very quickly what politicians have done in the past and or overlook it based on wherever their political allegiances lie. Uh, just because they don't want to make the other guy look good, they're willing to continue uh, in this whole... I, I said this before. The Democratic Party seems to have battered wife syndrome. No matter how many times they get hit, they keep going right back to their abuser. And that's exactly what we've done. We, we've pointed out on the show many different times where the, uh, the left-wing agenda seems to actually go against their own supporters. And we can get more into that in a deeper dive at another time. Uh, but just in the interest of time, I'm going to stick with this uh, First Amendment issue. Now, however, the injunction does not carve out exemptions for posting uh, that involve criminal activity or public safety threats, national security threats, election-related issues, and illegal campaign contributions. This means that the government can still contact social media uh, and ask about these types of postings, even if they contain protected free speech. Now, this is the one that gets under my skin the absolute most. And I know as soon as I bring this topic up, What's going to happen is I, I immediately can no longer post to YouTube. So I, I'll make mental, mental note of that right up front. We're going to talk about election integrity just for a second. We're going to stay within this free speech agenda. But keep in mind, I was talking online to uh, a couple of dissenting voices not long ago, and they tried to tell me that the... 2000 mules documentary was debunked it wasn't debunked at no point in time has it been debunked um but they cite sources that are allowed on those same forums to debunk uh those things that they don't like and those videos are up there if you go to youtube and t and go to try to look for 2000 mules but you won't find any pro uh any pro videos of it up there and if you do, you're, you're very lucky and they're probably hard to find. But what you will find are videos stating that, debunk, that they debunked uh, the movie, when in fact they didn't. Uh, that just gives me an idea. I think that um, we'll put together and go over or react to uh, some of their debunking videos and we'll debunk the debunkers. Because I, I think, that, I don't think, I know, I'm absolutely certain that what I saw on that movie and the information they utilized in the movie to prove their point is 100% factual. And if any point in time in that movie they were lying, somebody should sue them then, right? Not to this day. No one is sued. Now, here are the specific examples of how the injunction could contradict the First Amendment. So, the injunction could prevent governments from contacting social media companies about postings that criticize the government and its policies. And that wouldn't contradict the First Amendment in, in my eyes at all. Uh, I think that the government should stay completely the hell out of it. 
Um, the injunction could prevent government from contacting social media companies about postings that discuss controversial or sensitive topics such as abortion or gun control. All well within our rights to talk about same thing. The government should stay the hell out of it. When the government, who's supposed to protect our free speech, utilizes its power and reach to make sure that the other side of the aisle doesn't have the ability uh, to assemble and get their voices out, uh, which is what another group already stated. We know what we're doing is illegal, they said. Um, but we're working with the FBI, and they go on in this video clip. Oh, man, what was the name of that group? Find out the name of that group for me from the other day we were watching it that said they were talking with the FBI uh, stated that they knew they were breaking the law at the same time. I, define that for me. Thank you. So, um, in this interview, this group talked uh, openly about, they, that, about their agenda, which was trying to stop uh, conservatives from a base, basically getting together, grouping up, organizing. It scares the hell out of them. Whenever conservative groups organize, they immediately go on the attack. Uh, whether it be calling them a uh, white supremacist group, a racist group, a Nazi group, a nationalist group, whatever the case may be, that's exactly what they do. And, they, and their, their agenda is to demonize them at that point. So they lose all credibility in the eyes of the public and in the media. Um, this happened with the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys are not a racist group of people. Uh, or a supremacist group. In fact, if you ever look at the uh, Proud Boys and look at their leadership, that should be immediately dispelled. Same thing goes with Patriot Prayer. Uh, not the Patriot's Prayer, us, the podcast, but Patriot Prayer, the group with Joey Gibson up in the Northwest. The guy speaks in terms that I think all Christians and conservatives should absolutely 100% side with him on. And there is no, uh, there's no, like, uh, hate speech going on. There's no racism. There's none of that. Just essentially a group of people that get together to uh, proselytize based on the ideology that they have and the faith that they have. And they're being demonized by the other side who utilizes the leverage of big tech and the media to help make sure they can shut these groups up, even if it means lying about what the intention of the heart of those groups are, while ignoring the intent and the actions of left-wing groups like BLM. I mean, and, it's, and it's, it's not even hard to prove that. You don't even have to try hard. You don't have to hire PIs. You can do it in 15 minutes on, with an Internet connection. It's not hard to do. These people have disappointed uh, patriots to a level that I don't think could have ever been explained. Fifteen years ago, if you would have told people these things, they would have noted that, yeah, the government's doing a lot of things that we don't necessarily agree with, and they've been doing them forever and ever. But damn if they would have ever believed that they'd be fighting court cases to allow them uh, to step on and uh, silence your free speech as a good thing. That would have never happened. If we could bring the people from the 50s, the activists from the 50s, and I would say even the 60s, 
into current day and have them look at these issues, they would say and see the same thing. We're going to talk a bit about these uh, free speech rights and social media. I'm going to have these guys break down what Section 230 is, and then we'll go through and explain that may be what it's supposed to be, but look how big tech companies are actually utilizing these things. And you'll see as fast as I did uh, how the liberal or left-wing uh, media uh, likes to make you think that they are doing what they need to do to protect your First Amendment rights, but what they're doing is just silencing speech that they don't like, that they don't agree with. So, the free speech protection. Second, I want to cue this up. Listen very carefully. Now, I'm citing. <laughs> I hate to do this, but I'm citing uh, NBC News because they're going to talk favorably about it, and I want you to hear how they put the spin on it as to what Section 230 is supposed to be, uh, so you understand when we come to our conclusion. We're going to slowly start to open the, you know, pull the curtain back and reveal how it's truly utilized and what they're actually doing. Just listen. See if you don't the free speech the protections conclusion. of the First Amendment are so complicated, it's no surprise that most Americans seem to misunderstand them. Free speech is anything but absolute. In fact, it only prevents the government from intruding on speech. The First Amendment gives a person no right whatsoever to say whatever they want on a private company's platform. Of course, all speech is subject to some regulation, whether or not it's on a private forum. You can't threaten people. You can't slander people. There are some limitations. There are some limitations, yes. Here's the thing, though. If, if when this was written, they, they could have n never imagined a site as massive, let's say, as Twitter or Facebook. They had no, I mean, they didn't know. They had no idea how big it was going to get. So when you have people in the world that are essentially going to go to Twitter to get their news or Facebook to get their news, um, you have to look at this law through a different lens and understand that these are the forums to which America goes to for information. So when you start looking at it like that and you say, yes, they're a private company, but they're not. They're IPOs now. So they're, they're publicly traded companies and... So they should be held to a different standard. And if, although they cannot be sued for censoring speech overall, when they start only honing in on one specific side of the aisle, that's when it starts to get hairy. And that's what they've done. Just keep listening. But as much as social media companies like Facebook or Twitter feel like publicly available forums for anybody, they are anything but. These social media companies are privately owned. They're not owned by the government. So the First Amendment doesn't even apply to them. For example, a private bar or restaurant can kick out just about anybody for any reason, whether they're not wearing a shirt or they're too intoxicated. Now, the reason bars kick out drunk people is that drunk people are a liability for the bar. But social media companies don't even have that liability. Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act says that they are not liable for what other people post on their forum. It would be like a bar that made a lot of money from drunk patrons buying drinks, but then had zero liability when those drunks turned around and attacked other innocent people. 
There is a developing philosophical debate that a social media company or an internet service provider may become so important to speech that they are a kind of public forum. In the future, there may be legislation saying that Facebook or Twitter or whatever comes after those things is a kind of public forum. See how he tries to play it down, how he tries to dumb it down. Kind of public forum. There are so many more people that go get their news from Twitter and Facebook than watch TV. Hell, I don't know how many people actually even watch TV anymore today. We get most of our TV off of streaming services, and we just tune in for certain shows, which are typically streamed online as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you, these are public forums. There's no doubt that when you have as many millions of people that uh, use and utilize Twitter as well as uh, as Facebook and, and the and truth and all the rest of them they're 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 definitely trend-setting public uh, platforms to which there should be a certain level of uh, a certain level of let's say a law that tries to safeguard uh, the free speech of people who adhere to certain political ideologies. For instance, I've posted things that are pro-Christian, and in, in the process of doing that, they would they would look like they were uh, anti-LGBTQ uh, posts because we talk about the LGBTQ uh, lifestyle as an immoral lifestyle. It is one that is talked about in the Bible very clearly that way. So, as a Christian, I should have fully have the ability. Uh, to quote Bible verses and such online that deal with that issue because that is my belief. That is my right. Now, they have taken posts of mine down for that very reason, but they don't censor the LGBTQ crowd. So they are picking and choosing who is allowed to have free speech. Who is allowed to believe what and what beliefs are allowed to to be spoken about on their forums. And that is the problem. And that's why the 230 protections should be removed and there should be a discrimination clause that's placed into uh, the law to keep uh, you know, the flow of information as unbiased as absolutely possible. Because there's been so many times in the last couple of years that I've posted something that I've had to deal with those issues for. Now, our... our our Facebook, uh, our Facebook page just became monetized. And the same day I monetized it, they gave me a strike for saying that uh, their, their, their moral compass uh, in the United States uh, is just on a downward spiral because of the LGBTQ agenda. And they took it down. And they demonetized the page. Well, they didn't even monetize it. So I put in the application for monetization uh, within the next four or five days, they, they declined it and told me that I could reapply at a later time. But it was because of the strike that they put on me the same day that I was eligible. These are the tricks that they pull. They, they are absolutely 100% discriminating against conservatives. And it's plain to see. You, 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 I mean, Stevie Wonder can see this, right? It's not hard to even if you are a democrat 
even you have to acknowledge what's actually going on here. So let's let's let him continue. And it may even be regulated by the government. Perhaps Section 230 will be replaced by laws that allow for liability for Internet service providers or social media companies for what is said on their forum. First Amendment law is constantly evolving because the way we speak is constantly evolving and the forum in which we speak evolves as well. It may seem unfair that a web hosting service would summarily dump a company's website because they don't like the company's speech. Whether it's Twitter permanently suspending President Trump or Simon and Schuster declining to do business with Josh Hawley, companies can't be forced by the government to put out speech that they don't want to put out there. In fact, even if a person is completely denied access to speaking on the internet, nothing prevents that person from opening their window and shouting out onto a crowded street. Ultimately, the First Amendment only limits government action. It gives a private person no right to say whatever they want in a private forum. In other words, nanny nanny boo boo, nothing you can do to us, and we can sit here and be biased against conservatives and Christians all the hell we want to. Thank you, government, for giving us the immunity uh, to not be sued for doing it. And thank you for making it seem as though uh, getting rid of Section 230 uh, would appear to be a violation of the First Amendment rights of United States citizens. You see how tricky it is? When they say that the forum to which the post appears cannot be sued for what people uh, put on the forum. But it gives them, also gives them the right to uh, determine for themselves what is and what isn't free speech. And they've gone so far as to say, you know what, we're not going to do this from in-house anymore. Facebook, for instance, say they hire third party uh, people to do this and... Uh, it, but it, it, it doesn't stop it. It's still going on. It's still very, very much going on. Just recently, Matt Walsh and the guys over at, uh, at Daily Caller, um, they, they uh, put out that uh, movie, What is a Woman? And they immediately got it censored. The guys over at Twitter tried to stop them from streaming the movie until Elon Musk got involved. These people are sitting back in armchair uh, censoring people, right? They're, 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 they're sitting there and they're being advocates for a political agenda uh, from within big tech companies. And it, what it's done is it's caused us to have this big tech revolution, which is why Twitter was purchased by Elon Musk, and it's why uh, Truth Social exists. It's why Parler uh, came back as strong as they did. But look at all the hoops they had to jump through in order to make that happen. And look at how much uh, they tried to prevent uh, Elon Musk from being able to purchase Twitter. They didn't want to protect the First Amendment rights of United States citizens, but they allowed Iranians to talk about killing Jews openly on the Internet, on Twitter's forums, and that post was never removed. That post, let's talk about another one just recently that was put up that was extremely racist by the Biden cabinet. Um, Erica Marshall, I believe, was the, the woman's name. And she said something to the effect uh, that black people can't compete in a merit-based system. The most racist damn thing I had ever heard in my life. She said it with a straight face, put it on, uh, and put that tweet out, yet 
why is her account not banned? Why wasn't she censored? Why didn't she get a strike? Why is she still employed? Right? This, these are all questions I think we should all have. Now, I'm going to play another uh, clip of pro why, why Section 230. Uh, let's say this one was not explained Sec correctly. And you'll see the trickery, the word games that they try to play to make it seem as if uh, Section 230 actually helps them uh, in championing our First Amendment rights, although it's completely untrue. Section 230's most important sentence reads as follows. No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. But a lot of people have found creative ways of redefining what the law says. Big tech made effectively a bargain with Congress and a bargain with the American people. We'll be neutral, we'll be fair, we won't be biased. And in exchange for that, we'll receive what is effectively a federal subsidy. Neutrality is not a condition of the law. In fact, Section 230 was designed right. in part... So, I gotta stop her there. Neutrality is not a condition of the law. Okay. So, what she said... You gotta listen close. This is, this is liberal word games, patriots. Absolute word games. So neutrality wasn't a condition of the law because the contract, or the law as it's written here, doesn't say anything about neutrality. Therefore, that wasn't a condition. But that's absolutely what, what is implied. right? We know why the Second Amendment exists, even if it doesn't say to protect ourselves against tyranny in, in, in the amendments. Well, we know why they did what they did. We know what the intention uh, of the law is. So... Here we got people that, because it's not spelled out to the umpteenth degree, uh, say that they have free reign to do whatever the hell they want, and it's in the reason they're doing it is to protect us. I mean, come on, it, it, this is this is ludicrous. This is absolutely crazy. But this is what liberals really believe. So that internet companies could discriminate by filtering out content. Here, a federal subsidy. Neutrality is not a condition of the law. In fact, Section 230 was designed in part so that internet companies could discriminate by filtering out content that's illegal, indecent, or just otherwise objectionable. No. Sorry about your day, but that is not. A good thing that is a, I understand that's the way it ended up and I understand that is an interpretation of the law as it stands but the problem with it is is that they utilize this law against they leverage it against people with conservative ideology because there's nothing in there spelling out the fact that uh, you can't discriminate against people with a political uh, certain political ideology which is what they did. And all too often it boils down to uh, what you may think is true and what they may think is true or what... But that's, that's the idea of the internet. That's the idea of these forums. If I'm wrong, prove me wrong. If I post something and you disagree with it, well, why are you right and why am I wrong? That's what this is. But they wouldn't even allow conversations. Like, they cut the conversation off. Vaccine conversation, cut off. Mass conversation, cut off. Election conversation, cut off. But if you, if you were uh, on the left and you were talking about Russia hoax information, 
completely allowed. PP tape information, completely allowed. It didn't matter what right-wing conspiracy theory they were cooking up or what false whistleblower they were dreaming up or what fake evidence uh, Adam Schiff said he had that week. They didn't censor any of that. And they went as far as to get the intelligence community involved in stating that most of the things that they were saying were true. They had the intelligence committee go along, or intelligence officials go along and walk in lockstep with them and basically back them up on such ludicrous statements like they did with the laptop, trying to say that it was Russian disinformation. And it's, it's just carefully worded jargon. If anyone's ever uh, watched how lawyers maneuver in court, this is essentially what these guys do. Uh, so it doesn't matter what's right and wrong. It just matters who wins the argument. And right and wrong ends up being a very relative or subjective term in the eyes of the law. And so what they've done is circumvented the U.S. Constitution by playing these types of word games. And they're, they're not going to stop doing it. It's, it's been going on like this for, I, I don't even know. I mean, I would imagine it started back in Abraham Lincoln's day. <laughs> it hasn't, it's been pretty much like that as far as I can tell uh, for a very long time. But you have to take it in, in, in the respect of, like, for instance, uh, the, world, the generation that existed in the United States or in World War II, the greatest generation. Uh, the people in the country at that time were all assisting with the war effort. They backed their troops. They loved their country. Whatever they could do, they did if it was in the name of helping the troops in the country. We were in step. We were Americans then. Since then, they have slowly implemented socialism on many lower levels of our government. Um, the... Entitlement programs uh, have just exploded all over the place. They have created a subculture of victimhood that they utilize to keep themselves in power by pretending to be the, vic uh, the champions to those victims who truly aren't victims. Um, but that's how they leverage the information and turn it into power. That's what they do. And the media... It completely helps them in this regard. You, you're, you're talking about a group of people that have access to information and people that you or I don't have ready access to just on a whim, at a snap of our fingers. They do. And they have teams of people to go research the data that they report on. However, they've missed the mark 99% of the time, and you can't tell me that's not intentional. When you turn from ABC, NBC, CBS and so forth, you should see different news being reported. You should not see the same news stories being reported with the same wording, the same catchphrases, the whole thing. But that's what they do. Because these people are receiving their orders and their scripts from someplace much higher than that news organization. And it's being given out nationwide. You say, Patriot, that sounds crazy. Go look for yourself. I had played a documentary on here not too long ago in a small clip of where uh, we had all the news reporters in the thousands, I believe, uh, just in squares across the entirety of the screen, and they're saying the same thing at the same time. I believe they were quoting what they called at the time the big lie, even though it wasn't a big lie. 
But that's what they do because in order to convince Americans, you have to say the same lie over and over and over again. Even when you're proven wrong, even when people debate you, you ignore the debate, you ignore uh, the rebuttal, and you continue to say the lie over and over again. And believe it or not, uh, there are just, it works. People start to repeat the lie and it spreads as though it's factual information, even though. Uh, it it couldn't it couldn't stand a, a simple test when put up against actual facts. It cannot, and this is the game they try to play. Obama even stated, "You put enough enough misinformation out into the ether, and people won't know what to believe." That's their game plan. They always snitch on themselves. If you listen to them closely, they tell on themselves quite a bit. Uh, and now here is the part about Section Two Thirty that gives the tech companies the ability to censor as given to them by the government. Take a listen. Users upload. The freedom to moderate comes from this passage. Companies that operate in good faith have the power to restrict access to material that they consider to be objectionable, whether or not such material is constitutionally protected. So, so there's that. If you have given them free reign to determine for themselves what is and what isn't misinformation, what is and what isn't hate speech. And the example I just gave you, uh, as a Christian man speaking about the LGBTQ community, I have a different take on it than anyone else or any non-Christian person, but I have as much right to my belief and I have as much right to proselytize that belief as anyone else. Uh, and even as a Christian, you know, I wouldn't, I personally would not censor speech from the LGBTQ community. I wouldn't. And I don't think anybody should. The only time in which we need to restrict said speech is, like I said, when proselytizing goes into the classroom. There's where it stops. You cannot do that because you don't allow us to go preach Jesus in those classrooms. So you shouldn't be in there preaching alternative lifestyles either. So there's a common sense application of the First Amendment. If you take that away and you just give uh, big tech companies the ability to make up their own minds on these issues, look what we get. You get people pushing agendas and they're not at all uh, unbiased. They are completely biased in every respect. And it's, it's going to get much worse before it gets better because... It seems as though every time we corner the left, that we get them in a corner, they just start indicting people, causing problems. You know, I, I'd hate to think how many more indictments Trump can handle uh, if we <laughs> every time we get him cornered. It's like, oh, well, look what Trump did. Indict him for this. Indict him for that. Fake whistleblower. Trains, trains crashing. Look over here. Look over there. Don't look at us. This is what they do. This is what they do. And this is what they've always done. They, they utilize the pain and the suffering that goes on in the world to distract you from the ignorance, from this, the, the, the outright evil uh, that they, they commit on a daily basis. So, there's that. Now, here is why the law actually exists. Providers right? like Prodigy were developing interactive features for their platforms, like bulletin boards. 
but on one of these bulletin boards, a Prodigy user wrote a post that led to a lawsuit from an infamous brokerage firm called Stratton Oakmont. You may remember it from the Wolf of Wall Street movie where it was portrayed. They got involved in the Section 230 story because they sued someone who had posted something about them online. Stratton won its defamation suit, in part because Prodigy had moderated its content, which, in the court's view, made it a publisher. So the Stratton case created this dynamic where internet companies had kind of a perverse incentive. If they took down a piece of content because it was harmful, they could be sued for doing that. And so in a way, they had an incentive not to do anything, to just let people say uh, whatever they wanted, or they could just not allow any posts by users at all. And neither of those outcomes seemed very beneficial to consumers, and that's why Congress stepped in. So that's why it exists. And so the protections of the people who actually host the forum so that they can't be sued by people who post on or sue, sued in place of the person who makes the post on their for, on the forum. This allowed those companies to exist and grow and it allowed uh, for free speech to flourish. It's the addendum to that law that causes all the issue because of the interpretation by the individual and how it's applied. In the several instances I gave you just past, um, that's, what I'm, that's exactly what I'm referring to. Now here is that law. Senator Ron Wyden co-authored the 1996 text and has said that Section 230 was written to relieve the burden on fledgling tech companies. We wanted small businesses to start out focusing on hiring engineers, developers, and designers rather than worrying about how they had to hire a team of lawyers. But since Section 230 was written, the reach and political importance of platforms has grown, and that's led to numerous calls to update the law. Republicans have challenged the legal protections that Section 230 grants and say that the law lets tech companies censor conservatives. Here's Senator Roger Wicker commenting on a range of content takedowns that occurred ahead of the 2020 election. These recent incidents are only the latest in a long trail of censorship and suppression of conservative voices on the internet. And that's exactly what it turned into. That's how they applied the law. And then when you take into consideration all of the other government agencies that are on a daily basis that were uh, taking meetings with Twitter, Google, Facebook, and others, um, I mean, this is, this is troublesome on a level that uh, I just never thought that I would ever encounter in the United States. Growing up, we were taught about land of the free, home of the brave, and we had so much pride in who we were and where we were from. As American citizens, I don't think there was anything more coveted in the, in the entirety of the world uh, just than being an American. And uh, they completely uh, took a dump on that. And it, it, it's, it's a sad day when the government starts pushing for censorship in the name of keeping people safe. It was just like what happened during the pandemic. And it was all the way back to what happened after 9-11. It was, hey, uh, we need, to, we need to, to, to basically put a hold on your civil rights in order to keep you safe. You know, we, can't, we can't have you out there you know, doing you know, whatever you want to. Or, it, it just, it's, it's, we're trying to keep you safe. That's, that's what, so you know what? 
you know the safest place in the world locked in a room behind bars and so the world can't get to you and it's safe you're in prison but you're safe that's essentially what this is let me explain to you what the first amendment and any of the constitutional amendments or rights afforded to us by our founders are really meant for they are meant for when times get hard they are meant for war they are meant to make sure that when it hits the fan that the government can't do certain things they cannot become tyrannical it, you know it's like it's like saying I'll give you an analogy it's like saying I love you right people say I love you all the time right but when it's easy to love somebody when times get hard it's easy to stick by them and be there for them when times get hard but what about when times aren't hard I mean or, or what about when what about when times are extremely hard and now this individual needs you and you're not there you know that's exactly what this is when the government faces hard times times of war uh, economic upheaval uh, foreign threats threats from within you do not disregard constitutional rights afforded to your citizens in order to protect your citizens so illegally spying on them um, you know, uh, warrantless wiretaps and searches and violations of the Fourth Amendment are not things that our government should engage in as a way to keep its citizens safe and free. I mean, that'd be like screwing the football team to be a virgin, right? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. If people don't stand up right now, right and left, it doesn't matter we have to find common ground and what they've done is they've polarized the two sides of these aisle of the political aisle so much so that nobody on the right wants to agree with anything that the people do on the left even if we agree agree with it we won't openly support the position because it seems as though we're supporting the Democratic Party I can admit that openly uh, I know that's what's going on and it's same with the left if they were to agree on one iota of anything Trump said they would be seen as Trump supporters and so for that reason they will neglect uh, to admit to the fallacies told about Trump and they won't admit to how well this country ran and how prosperous we were as Trump as president because they don't want to admit to the fact that Trump was a great president and they don't want to be seen as Trump supporters so right and wrong have taken a backseat to right and left and that really really needs to take a, that needs to stop entirely now everyone when it didn't apply to them so much when it didn't hit home when it wasn't working to your benefit both sides right and left had different times saw the issue with this section 230 and all stated that it needs to be changed it needs to be changed and uh, the head idiot himself even said as much just listen Joe Biden said that it's time to revoke how much protection tech platforms get I for one think we should be considering taking away the exemption that they cannot be sued for knowingly engaged on in promoting something that's not true so there it is they said the Russian uh, th that the laptop was Russian disinformation that wasn't true so does he still believe they should be sued for that 
Because it worked in his benefit. He even told them to do it. So he's saying they should be sued for putting out disinformation. But what about when that disinformation comes from the government? Because I understand how uh, this is a publicly traded company and how uh, free speech may not apply because it's their forum. It's their, uh, it's their platform. So they can do what they want with it, right? However, what happens when government entities get involved in how that actually happens and helps, uh, helps with the censorship and even tells them who to censor and what posts to take down, what to put up, who's searchable, who's not, and why? all the way to the President of the United States, Donald Trump, being censored. Well, I believe the protection is the way the law is written does protect the social media company. But it damn sure doesn't protect the government when they're behind it. Because they were the ones at the helm doing it. They were the ones uh, in the driver's seat pointing fingers and telling them who could or who could not uh, espouse ideas on the Internet. And that is something that nobody, to date, right now, nobody has actually stated it that way. Because they violated the Constitution. Keep in mind, Twitter didn't. Facebook didn't violate the Constitution. They had Section 230, unfortunately, to protect them as they censored speech that they didn't like. But that does not apply to Joe Biden it does not apply to senators, congressmen, CIA agents, FBI agents, police forces, and the like. Those people are sworn to uphold and protect the Constitution. Facebook doesn't take that oath when they get hired. So I get that. But since they're trying to play word games and spin the law in a direction in which it shouldn't be spun in to try to make you fall for what they're trying to do... Um, I say the same thing here with the protections afforded to Facebook, Twitter, and social media platforms also do not extend to the government. So when uh, Michelle Obama or Biden's uh, cabinet members are sending emails to, uh, to social media platforms telling them to take down or censor a post, that is a violation of the uh, constitutional rights of Americans. So when they try to define uh, what should be protected speech and what shouldn't be, uh, they said elections. That's not true. That is not true because elections are the bedrock of democracy. So therefore, when we have reasons, and we have actual reasons to believe that something is wrong with our election, we definitely need the outlet to be able to discuss those ideas so that if we are wrong, we can be proven wrong, the issue can be put to bed, and people can have faith in our electorate system again. As of right now, we don't have that faith. We don't have that faith because we've seen what happened in Arizona, Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin, and Georgia. We, we know that there was ballot harvesting going on. We've seen the videos. We've seen the videos. We've seen the data put together by uh, Dinesh D'Souza, True the Vote, and Greg Phillips. We have seen the information uh, put forth by... Uh, Thaler and Harris in Arizona. And although we've never heard a rebuttal to what they've stated to date, they haven't been sued, and no one speaks about that information to rebuttal it in any way, shape, or form. They just don't let people speak about it at all. And they've went as far as to expel Liz Harris uh, from the House to make sure she can either. 
So the criminals got together and expelled uh, the one person trying to bring light to the issue. Now, you could say, well, she wasn't trying to bring light to the issue. She was a conspiracy theorist. Where? How? Show. That's the thing that's missing. It, the evidence. The evidence of why she's a conspiracy theorist or why Thaler and Harris are wrong. And that's what we're missing. Since you don't allow the debate to take place in a public forum and you've taken upon yourself to decide what issues can and cannot be heard, and you've gone as far as to say, if an elected official brings an issue before the House that you thoroughly disagree with, you can just expel them. Look how well that actually uh, worked out uh, for the Tennessee Three, right? Mr. Pearson down there was expelled, and what happened? They immediately reinstated him. Why? Because he didn't break a rule of the House. Neither did Liz Harris. So she should also be reinstated. And for the same reason, see how the law works so well for a liberal, but when it came time to do it for a conservative who was actually trying to bring the truth out in the open, uh, it, it, it was not even talked about. Because the corruption is not on one side of the aisle, guys. Let's just be honest with ourselves and everyone else. Uh, ben Thomas actually owns the election company, uh, an election service down in Arizona where he's an elected official. How in the hell is that anywhere near unbiased or okay to do? I think everybody should be up in arms about that. Look up Runbeck Election Services and you'll see for yourself. Runbeck Election Services and Precision Arrow. These are the companies you, want to have to, you need to take a look at to understand um, what I'm talking about when it comes to fair uh, elections in Arizona. Because you'll be very surprised when you look and what you see when you look now the next one is how uh, the tech companies actually leverage section 230 against conservatives and you know when we get on the other side of this issue and start to see what you know how it was utilized how the law was used to silence a political ideology and then when the injustices occurred they silenced those as well uh, take a listen outlined it Pretty well on Twitter. Very good point. These were people that spoke from a position of authority. Robert McCullough, uh, uh, Robert McCullough uh, Carrie Mollusk, uh, Christine Northrup, uh, just to name a few of scientists and doctors uh, that were silenced during the pandemic. People who actually knew better than anyone else. People who knew the medical terminology and how the vaccine companies were actually trying to dupe the American people. 
uh, by not doing blind studies. And in one instance, it was it was said that they didn't do blind studies. Uh, and then when I think the biggest shocker for me was when Robert McCullough actually explained uh, the 95 percent efficacy uh, in the vaccine and why they said it was 95 percent and why it seems though it's it's not working at 95 percent. And he explained, and when he did, it was just like, I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Uh, and then I looked it up, and it was a 100% factual. What he said that they were saying, uh, that the vaccine was not, had 95% efficacy against the virus. And then he explained that was relative efficacy. Um, and so he explained that relative e- efficacy just meant how much more effective it was than its predecessor. So it wasn't really that effective overall against the virus it was just 95 percent better than the previous version of the medication that they created so once again a very tricky way to use words that are true and not true at the same time to elicit a specific emotion and so you cannot be called out for lying because you can point to it and say well no that's what i said but you you misrepresented what you were saying i think you get the point count it says trends blacklist like they have these little recent abuse strike strike count and then trends blacklist this is something that no, they Stu, denied is, doing okay. over Stu, and over and over again the, they not and, only and that's the other it, thing the media too. If section 230 uh gave them the ability to censor at will based on whatever they felt was misinformation disinformation or violence or harmful um then why in the hell did they feel as though they had to lie about it? The reason why I believe they felt as though they had to lie about it was because they didn't want anyone to know who was pulling the strings from behind the scenes, who was actually uh, sitting in the driver's seat for who was being censored. For it, but this, as the media is now telling us, is old news. Oh, This is old news. I guess in a way. It, or isn't that the truth? I just said it a little earlier. They want to try to put time and space between them and these incidents, so they try to uh, stifle any kind of investigation or movement forward in talking about them for as long as they can. That way the American people forget and they're not as angry about it anymore by the time an election rolls around. And like I said before, they they typically are right. People do forget. I don't think people are going to forget this time. Consider the popular right-wing talk show host Don, Dan Bongino, who at one point was slapped with a search blacklist. How are they going to mess up Dan Bongino's name? Come on, Glenn Beck. You know better than that. But you get my point, right? So they, they do, although they tell the truth by saying efficacy, they don't define what efficacy is until you look into the medical uh, terminology and dictionary. And Robert McCullough did just that and pointed out relative efficacy. So uh, there, there's just a lot of little tricks like that that go on. So that when you try to say, hey, you said it was 95% effective, uh, well, it, it, it is. It's, it's 95% more effective than the previous version of the medication. <laughs> so, uh, guys, don't be fooled. Do your research. These liberal media outlets do what they're told. They don't, they don't think for themselves. They don't do any real investigative journalism. You don't know what any one of those reporters actually thinks. Hell, we don't even know... Uh, so I, I brought this up before, and I'll, I, and I'll continue to believe this. And this is my theory, guys. So I'm not reporting this as fact or an empirical evidence or anything like that. But I believe, based on the things that I see, that Project Mockingbird is being utilized right now, and it's in full effect. I believe we have government plants and media outlets 
it's, we just saw that they were at Twitter. So what's to say the same thing isn't going on at Google? And let's ex expand that a little bit further to ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. What's to keep them from having government officials on staff that do the same damn thing that they did at Twitter? Why else would they all be repeating the same catchphrases at the same time and be on the same exact page? You know, in, in a world full of free-thinking people, we're all not going to think and say the same exact things or have the same opinions. But it seems they all do. For the first time ever in history, all the news outlets have all the same opinion and feel the same way about everything. Wow, how does that work out? And you know, how do they have such peace amongst each other and be on the same page and walk in lockstep when the, when the rest of the world looks the way it looks? It's because they're behind it, people. They're trying to program, hypnotize, uh, whatever you want to call it, people. And they, and they do it by uh, creating the storyline and the narrative that they want people to believe. And then when you call them in their lie, they double down on the lie and they keep repeating it in, in stereo across the whole United States. All the news outlets continue to repeat that same lie over and over again until it just people start believing it. Even though it is provably not true, people will come away uh, from those and, and actually believe that what they're saying is true. They will not, and, and if, you try to, if you try to free them from their delusion, they'll get mad, triggered even. So it, it's, just, just think, look at the Russian hoax deal, right? For, I don't know how many years, right? Before he was even elected president, they were already starting on that thing. They, now Adam Schiff has been censored. We have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that they were completely wrong. They lied. They used false information to get Pfizer warrants. A lot of people had lives ruined. Uh, fortunes lost. Everything based off of a phony dossier created uh, at the behest of the DNC and Hillary Clinton who paid quite a bit of money through the lawyer Michael Sussman who supposedly told the FBI that he wasn't representing Hillary although he was but got, got found not guilty when he had time to when he had to go to court. He's sitting there on a stand and telling them Hillary Clinton gave him the okay to leak the dossier and do all these things. And he admitted to billing Hillary Clinton for the time he spent with the FBI. But yet he still said he wasn't representing Hillary when he took the dossier to the FBI. This is absolutely appalling to see that he admitted openly to breaking the law. And yet they did nothing about it. And most people don't even pay attention to that level to be able to call BS when they see it. Danchenko got uh, found not guilty for uh, not li lying to the FBI, rather, but he was the source for the dossier, and the whole damn dossier was a lie. Uh, Christopher Steele was offered a million dollars to corroborate the details in the dossier, and he didn't even take the money because he knew it was trash. But why, this is my problem, the Timothy Tebolt guy that had to resign uh, well, he retired early, but he was already getting ready to retire. So he was a guy who jumped on the grenade for the FBI. But what about all those officers or agents, rather, that took that uh, dossier as the source uh, to a FISA judge and got warrants based on information they knew was false? Why aren't they in prison? Why don't we know who they are? They've accessed Americans' uh, information uh, somewhere 280-some thousand times. And they say, well, that was just all mistakes, 280,000 mistakes. Um, people, we, we are the frog in boiling water 
in the United States, and the water is boiling, folks. It's boiling. We're in it. It's boiling. The war has begun. Make no mistake about it. This is it. You're watching it. The war is an information war. The war is for hearts and minds. They want to stifle one side of the political aisle and allow the other one to speak loud enough. Now, why we are here, and it's so new, we're in the first stages of it, it seems as though we have the numbers, we have the guts, and we're going to keep fighting. We're not going to allow the left-wing agenda to uh, just bowl us over and keep going. But if they keep this agenda up, if they keep this up 30 years down, 20 years down the road, and the generation of people coming up don't know the things that we know because they weren't exposed to those. They have a different idea of what it means to be American than we do. They have a different idea of what the Constitution means than we do, that the Bill of Rights than we do, and so forth. You get it? So those are the people they're aiming at. That's why they're going after your kids. Because they know it may not change right now. 20, 30 years from now, you're, you're going to be living in a whole different scenario. These people are going to think socialism is a good thing, Marxism is a good thing, uh, sex and gender are completely two different things. All of the absolute uh, craziest ideas that have just popped up within the last, I don't know, four or five years. And they're going to push those and they're not going to stop. And these generations coming up after us are going to be the ones that are indoctrinated with that ideology and that's who they're aiming at, and that's why. Uh, listen to what they did here. The libs of TikTok, and I, I, I've, I've listened to some of their content. Some of it's funny. Some of, I like the take they have on s certain issues uh, on a lot of things. But listen to what Twitter did to them. At 16. Mm -hmm. One of the accounts that rose to this level of scrutiny was libs of TikTok. An account that was on the trends blacklist, and it was designated as do not take action on user without consulting with the higher group. The account uh, now boasts over 1.4 million followers, was subject to six sus suspensions in 2022 alone, or 20, yeah, 2022 alone. Each time they were blocked from posting for as long as a week. Twitter repeatedly informed the uh, libs of TikTok that they had been suspended for violating Twitter's policy against hateful conduct, uh, content and conduct. But in an internal memo from October 2022, after their seventh suspension, the committee acknowledged that libs of TikTok had not directly engaged in behavior uh, violative of the hateful conduct policy. That's incredible. I mean, they, and they, here it is. Yeah. I mean, there's the email. Mm -hmm. They have the email, uh, and... Basically, they're saying they suspended her for no reason, <laughs> like right? The, at least no, no formal uh, reason. No reason that 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 was identified in their rules. Yeah. So that's exactly what they do because they're not concerned about the rules. They are fighting a war, folks. It's a war against Christians and conservatives. That's what it is. So when you're seeing them uh, uh, censor posts. And, and, and go after your free speech. It's not the free speech of everyone. It's the free speech of conservatives. People who love their country and love the Constitution, and they're viewed as Nazis, not patriots. They have slowly started changing uh, the, the algorithm 
in life, generally, the, the news, the radio, the media, the movies, everything has a thread that runs continuously through each one of those types of platforms or mediums that all essentially adhere uh, to the same idea and beliefs. And so that is permeated through the culture. So it becomes okay to not like your country or tear a flag up or burn it or to think that everybody on, on the conservative side of the aisle is an absolute racist when the opposite is actually what is true. We are not, we're not tied up and concerned about race. We see everyone as equal. We see individuals, not colors. We see individuals, not religions, not nationalities. We don't see those things. We don't do the group think. We do do individuals, though. I will look at you based on what you do and what you say and who you are, not the color of your skin, church you go to, country of origin, any of that. And they don't want that because that is, it doesn't allow them to administer emotional control over an entire group of people. Because unless they can prove you've been demonized as a group, because they get more bang for their buck defending a group than they do individuals, because one gives them power and the other one doesn't do much for them, so they don't care. They don't care about individuals. This is why it's always about race with them. It's, it's really appalling. I mean, I'll go back to Erica Marshall's tweet where she said black people essentially can't compete in a merit-based system. That's who they are, folks. That's what they think. Black people don't know where the DMV is, they say. Oh, they, we can't have voter ID laws because it, 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 it's not fair to black people. What? I mean, these are just appalling, but these are what they say. These are the, these are the statements that they make, and they're absolutely racist in every way, shape, or form. Listen to Matt Taibbi uh, talk about what he found in the Twitter files and his kind of explanation on the Twitter files and how uh, Twitter was actually dealing with other government agencies. ...would overwhelm all attempts to control information flow, its very existence a threat to anti-democratic forms of government everywhere. What we found in the files was a sweeping effort to reverse that promise and use machine learning and other tools to turn the internet into an instrument of censorship and social control. Unfortunately, our own government appears to be playing a lead role. We saw the first hints in communications between Twitter executives before the 2020 election when we read things like flagged by DHS or please see attached report from FBI for potential misinformation. This would be attached to an Excel spreadsheet with a long list of names whose accounts were often suspended shortly after. Again, Ranking Member Plaskett, I would note that the evidence of Twitter government relationship includes lists of tens of thousands of names on both the left and right. The people affected include Trump supporters, but also left-leaning sites like Consortium and Truthout, the leftist South American channel Telesur, the Yellow Vest movement. That, in fact, is a key point of the Twitter files, that it's neither a left nor right issue. Following the trail of communications between Twitter and the federal government across Tens of thousands of emails led to a series of revelations. Mr. Chairman, we summarized and submitted them to the committee in the form of a new Twitter files thread, which was also released to the public this morning. We learned Twitter, Facebook, Google, and other companies developed a formal system for taking in moderation requests from every corner of government, from the FBI, the DHS, the HHS, DOD, the Global Engagement Center, etc. And on and on and on. So, 
you get the point. So they've even developed a system, uh, uh, operational procedures that allow government to interact with them to make sure that they can censor the accounts that the government wants censored. This is an actual thing. This is what they did. So even though, like I stated earlier, that Facebook is protected by Section 230, does that also apply to the government? Do, does the government, uh, is the government's hands dirty, and should there be uh, recompense for them uh, censoring the American public, for them violating the very Constitution that they're sworn to uphold? And, and, and my take on that is absolutely. You are supposed to be the poster child of the Constitution if you are an elected official. So what they did, to me, uh, was an impeachable offense for everyone who did it. Every single uh, senator, congressman, uh, even as far down as police officers, FBI agents, and anyone else who was not an actual employee of Twitter, Facebook, or any social media company at the time, but any government official outside of that that, uh, that told them or, or put in requests uh, for censoring uh, should immediately lose their jobs and uh, be subject to further uh, prosecution as well in suitcases. Let's hear how the Twitter files related to the private sector and what, and what, what they use them for in the private sector. For every government agency scanning Twitter, there were perhaps 20 quasi-private entities doing the same thing including Stanford's Election Integrity Partnership, NewsGuard, the Global Disinformation Index, and many others, many taxpayer-funded. A focus of this fast-growing network, as Mike noted, is making lists of people whose opinions, beliefs, associations, or sympathies are deemed misinformation, disinformation, or malinformation. That last term is just a euphemism for true but inconvenient. Exactly. True, but inconvenient. For every government. Uh, an inconvenient truth, if you will. <laughs> so, they just essentially censored anyone with ideas that they didn't like. Folks, we're going to bring this to a close, but let me leave you with this. Our founding father said, I give you a republic if you can keep it. The first letters uh, sent from... George Washington, back to the king, essentially told him to keep his hands out of his damn pockets. We set up a, a, a system that would allow for a free market. We set up a system that allows us to espouse ideas openly and freely. But what they've done is drawn false lines in the sand as to what they deem to be dangerous or misinformation. But we saw them misuse it time and time again and not be held to account folks we need to wake up as Americans and stop right or left it doesn't matter you need to start looking at these issues and looking at the people behind them who implemented them who voted for them who took part in them and make sure that they don't keep their elected seat come next election there are things that as liberals and conservatives we are going to disagree on wholeheartedly we're going to disagree on them I expect it but what I don't expect is the American people advocating uh, for censorship and uh, advocating uh, for the rights of Americans to be violated uh, in the name of a specific political ideology 
Because once there's precedent set for that, we're, it's gone. What we, what we love, the place that we call home, the idea that made it exist is over. It's done. You have the illusion of freedom, but not actually freedom. So for this reason and this reason alone, we need to make sure that we need to see each other as people, as Americans, no matter who we voted for. And you got to start being able to have the conversation and understand the points of view of other people. And, uh, and, and it, even if you agree to disagree, we should have mutual ground uh, on certain issues. And I would think freedom of speech is one of them. I would think criminal activity, no matter what party uh, takes part in it, that that party to which that criminal belongs should expose the criminal and prosecute. So the, the, the people in the Democratic Party need to clean house. And the people in the Republican Party need to clean house. And we need to stop defending our own just because they belong to our party. That, that's got to end. It's got to stop. But people, if we, don't, if we don't fight for these issues, if we don't stand up for what's right, this podcast won't exist anymore. It'll be illegal. I could get fines just for saying what I said about elections or making a bad comment about Biden. The, the, this is absolutely honest. I'm not interpreting it, interpreting it as anti-American. On its face, it is anti-American in every way, shape, or form. And everything said to uh, perpetuate this and push this point through uh, or, or advocate for it to be made into law is absolutely as anti-American as you can get. All right, so um, <clears throat> Patriots, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Uh, and as always, as always, the silent majority, you need to stop being silent. Because if you don't stop being silent, they're going to make sure you're silent all the time. That's what this is about. And stand your ground. We'll see you next time on the Patriots Prayer, guys. Have a good night.